Welcome to the Christy Taylor Show. I'm your host, Christy Taylor. Super excited to have you here on a wonderful Monday. We are in my December birthday month and I'm celebrating with amazing friends, particularly my creative friends. And today is a day like last week where I had a chance to talk to my girl, Janine Farmer, originally from Memphis, living in New York, an amazing actor. You can chance to check out the full YouTube video or Facebook video just by going to my YouTube channel, Christy Taylor Online. But today I had to bring one of my music friends and that is none other than Richard Wilson. Now he's a recording artist and he's a soulful electric blues and gospel artist living and performing in Memphis, originally from England. He writes smooth melodic songs with a swing and jazz feel, drawing soulful inspiration from the city and if you like the smoothness of like say Bobby Darwin and the blue shuffle of Howlin' Wolf and a little gospel tinge with jazz overtones, well, Richard is the man for you. All original, he's an amazing guy, has a new album that's about to come out, Who I Am. And it's gonna be a soulful and reflective album about the human condition. Everything from love, mortality, ambition, and self-worth. And check this out. He's here with his guitar. Super excited to have him. Hey, Richard. <laughs> now, now, this is December, my birthday month, and I've been having a lot of my creative friends. And to have you here, you know, we've chatted before. I've interviewed you on other opportunities and situations, but to have you here during my birthday month and you have your guitar, we're in the music room. So I appreciate you. So maybe I can even get a birthday song out of him. But right now, let's talk about, first of all, your journey to Memphis. Now, you're originally from England, yeah. but you decided to make Memphis home. Uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, well, I uh, originally from uh, near London in England, and uh, I used to work in the recording industry, selling recording tape for years. I worked for 3M and Ampex, those companies. And I came over to the right. States. Uh, to work for Apogee, which made digital audio equipment in Santa Monica. And so basically the whole industry's changed so much. And then I decided, you know, to, to focus on music more. And of course, Memphis kind of hit all the, the spots for me. I've always played music, um, but, you know, obviously blues, gospel, soul, uh, that's kind of the bedrock of my musical influence. So... Uh, yeah, I moved to Memphis uh, four years ago and ne never looked back. It's been uh, it's been so much fun. Now, what was the draw? You know, out of all the cities in in the states that you could have gone to that also are known for music, Nashville yeah. included, what yeah. made Memphis your choice? I, I just think it's the ri the rich roots that kind of resonate with me. You know, blues, jazz, gospel. I mean, it's an amazing fertile area. It all came. Uh, from here. So it's like the logical place to be. And I don't quite identify with the Nash the Nashville thing, even though I play Offender Telecaster. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then Muddy Waters, he played the same thing. Same thing, you see. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, uh, it's basically all the guys who were here, all the stacks, some recording artists, the great legacy yeah. of gospel music uh it just added up for me and it's a music town and there's like loads of venues and stuff and obviously pre-covid i was very busy doing lots of gigs um but the vaccine now let's talk uh, about that 
Yeah, the vaccine is on its way. Let's talk about that. Okay, with you coming to Memphis, you know, retiring from your other, you know, more behind yeah. the scenes music yeah. part, you totally committed to being a, a, a music man. Yes. One of the things I love about you, Richard, is that you are old school with it. You in Memphis, once again, being a music town with a lot of history, you've been able to find a really unique niche. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, basically, I all I play is original tunes. You know, I haven't done a cover in like 25 years. And I figured, you know, if you're going to be serious about your music, be serious about your composing skills. So basically, uh, all my music has a kind of bluesy, gospel, jazzy feel. You know, I touch on all those genres. And um, so I've really worked on my craft. And uh, yeah, all the venues in Memphis have been very welcoming uh, of that because they're not like avant-garde genres, if you will. It kind of fits in. And I figured, you know, on Beale Street, there's great guys who are playing, you know, Muddy Waters songs and Howlin' Wolf songs, and that's fantastic. I love it. But that's not uh, me, you know. And again, you get other artists who do, like, the great American songbook called the jazz stuff, you know, again, which is great. Uh, and I thought, well, if you need new music to keep it going. We just can't keep playing time and the living's easy. You know, we can't play that all the time, even though it's fantastic. There's a million guys out there who who do that, so and girls. So for me, I work to my strengths and I figure let's refine the songwriting and keep the songwriting moving forward and then come up with a nice style that touches on blues, jazz, uh, and gospel and the swing stuff, you know, uh, everything. Just put it in a big old pot, like a big old pot of gumbo. Gumbo, stew. Okay, now <laughs> talking about your songwriting, because I also have played in the songwriting, you know, as a storyteller, you know, poetry, yeah. writing movies, you know, writing songs. Uh, you actually started writing as a teenager, back yeah. when you were across the pond. Let's talk about some of those early well, songs. <laughs> well, that, that, was, that was a different time. I mean, that, that was the start of the punk and new wave era. I'm talking late 70s. And that was the era where, you know, basically you put a band together and people didn't want to hear you doing Beatles or Rolling Stones covers. They wanted to hear uh, what you sounded like. You know, what's the new sound? And so that was it. We learned on stage. And I think I may have told you this story before. You know, we rehearsed in the back rooms. Pubs. It was always an Irish landlord. Then this is like 1979 kind of time, you know, 1980, a very long time ago. And then he'd say, Jesus, you boys, <laughs> you boys sound terrible. Keep practicing. Keep practicing. You'll never get a gig here. You sound awful. So basically, when the Irish landlord tells you you sound awful for long enough, you want to get better. So that's basically what we did. And then he eventually gave us gigs, you know, he'd give us a Tuesday night, then he'd risk us on a Wednesday night, and then we'd, we'd hit the big time and play a Friday night. And then I uh, went to college, and then I played on the college circuit as well, because the guitar player, he was at college as well. And so we basically, that was the band Crime of Passion. And by, that, passion. and by that time, that was like the era, that was a cross between uh, Duran Duran, the police, and uh, Rush, you know, the Canadian, uh, you know, 
heavy band. It was a mixture of styles. I had blue hair and a blue Rickenbacker bass. I used to play bass then. And so, you know, you just kind of evolved with the style, but, you know, write in all your own stuff. I've always written my own stuff, and I can put it down to the punk and new wave era. At that Ooh. time, like when you saw The Police, for example, the band The Police was Sting, it was like, it's their sound, their songs. They weren't going to be doing Rolling Stones covers. You know, likewise with The Clash. You know, it was the same thing. Or Susie and the Banshees. It was like, your sound. And I love that era. And it's left a big imprint on me to this day. And that's another reason I played the Fender Telecaster. Because in those days, some of those gigs were a bit rough. And people would, like, throw bottles and stuff. And it was it was crazy. So the thing with the Fenders... They've got a bolt-on bolt neck, you see? So if you needed to use it as a weapon, you could always bolt on a new neck and you'd be just fine. So that's why I played it because it's built like a tank and it's got a baseball bat neck, so that, that works for me. You know, I love the fact that you can use your instrument as a defense mechanism yes. while you're playing a show. I love it. I love it. Oh, that's beautiful. That's it. Now that's a gorgeous one. That's a gorgeous one. You have, you have a, you have, we're in the music room. So let's talk yeah. about what you have in your music room. Yes. Well, basically I've got, um, I've got several, you know, I've, I've basically got a jazz, you know, I have a jazz, a jazz guitar there, which, which I use for writing. Um, I'm actually in my sweatpants this morning. So I know we're on live television. Uh, you know, but anyway, let, 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 let me show you. See, you write a different kind of kind of song on that. And uh, yeah, so I have a whole bunch. I have a whole Beautiful. bunch. Of, I have a whole bunch of guitars. So the jazz guitar writes a jazz song. It writes a different song, but I play everything on the Fender. Telecaster, and I've got a bunch of these. I've got like seven or eight of these. Um, and they've all got different pickups. And I can do a whole show, even if it's kind of jazzy, you know. Even if it's jazzy stuff, you know, I can play it all on the Telecaster. But the, uh, the jazz guitar, you pick it up, it writes a different song. It's the magic of the muse, you know, like the idea, wherever it comes from. You jump on a different guitar, it can write a different song, you know. Now, talk about musical influences. You know, I understand because I love the fact that you came from a time where everyone was wanting to make sure that they created their own sound. But even with that, we all have a musical influence. Who were some of your musical influences? Well, from when I was a kid, it was always the Beatles, you know, growing up in England because they were everywhere. And there was the Beatles films and there's pictures of me playing a stick. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm six years old and I'm like standing on this wooden box pretending it's a stage. I've got a wooden box behind me and I'm playing a stick. And I wanted wow. to be I wanted to be a beetle, you know. So that was like the, the biggest thing. And so I was always singing and the radio at that time, you probably remember it here as well. It was just different. You know, the, the DJs played what they wanted. They played everything. So you'd have, you know, Peter, Paul and Mary, 
you know, Puff the Magic Dragon lives. But, you know, you'd have all that stuff, stuff. You'd have, you know, you'd hear the Beatles. You'd hear Cream. You know, Sunshine of Your Love. You'd hear the Rolling Stones. And then you'd hear Tom Jones and Frank Sinatra. I mean, it was literally everything. Then there was a lot of Brazilian music. Sergio Mendes. And ah. Carlos Antonio Jobim. So... Uh, my parents, they had a lot of those albums, you see. So I, wow. love, Bra- I love Brazilian music uh, as well as the crooner stuff, you know, Dean Martins. So that's what I was listening to, the radio. And I was singing before I could play because all I could play was a stick, you see. <laughs> now, Richard, when did you become aware of, because I know that Memphis, you know, is a hotbed of a variety of music, and a lot of it comes yeah. from the black experience. When yeah. did you first become um, exposed to black music when you were growing up? I would say it was it was really early, and it was Tamla Motown. I mean, it was basically all the Diana Ross stuff, uh, all the Stax stuff. I didn't know it was Stax, but it was there, uh, Green Onions, you know, and then... Um, you know, you move into the 70s, it was disco and, and funk. So, you know, on the one hand, you know, I would like kind of like the heavier bands, you know, like Led Zeppelin and The Who. And then on the other side, um, you go with disco. And this is me kind of like 16, kind of times 17, you know. And so you'd be uh, dancing to, you know, to Cool in the Gang and Sheep. What you said? That's it. You know, get down on it, you know. You'd hear all that stuff. And I was playing bass by then, you see. So I was very, I absolutely loved, uh, you know, the, the bass lines, you know, Cool in the Gang, the Gap Band, yeah. all that stuff. You know, even Sylvester, you made me feel nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was all there. And it was an amazing time because one night you'd go to the disco and it'd be like Saturday Night Fever. So, you know, I'd have the white suit and the whole thing. This is like 1978 when I was 17. And then the next night, you'd be at a punk gig or, or a wow. rock and you'd wear the leather jacket and stuff. And it was just totally two different worlds, but I loved both of them. And so, yeah, for the black music, definitely the 70s funk, disco and soul was right there. And I loved the... Um, you know, people like Phoebe Snow and, and, and the lovely, you know, uh, Randy Randy Crawford, Secret Combination yeah. album. I mean, there was just beautiful, um, beautiful songs, beautiful ballads. And I like that as well. Now, since you're talking about funk, you know, Memphis has its own funk legends like the Varkays and things like, like you said, coming out of stacks. Uh, yeah. Can you give me a bass line, kind of give me a little funky bass line? Can you get that right there? No, I, I'm more like more the jazz. I haven't done anything like that forever, but you know, I'm just okay. But well, give me something. Give me a little something. Something. It's more kind of more like not really funk. I would say. I mean, I don't know. I kind of swing. I kind of do it more with jazzy feel. I mean, there's other guys that can do the old, um, like, Nile Rogers thing, but that, <laughs> I leave it that to them. That sounds good, though. 
Yeah, you see, that's the thing. You see, I leave it to someone like Nile Rogers. He's the master of that beautiful, you know, funk chopping rhythm. It's great. And so what I do, I kind of take a feel of the syncopation, but then I apply to Bossa Nova. Jazzy stuff, yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. So I kind of like always, I've always done it all my life. I mix. Hey, I've got, I've always got a pot of gumbo in the music. <laughs> you know? Always have a bottle. Now, always. I understand that you do a lot of your recording in the downtown area at a super cool recording studio. Let's talk about that. Yes, I record all the all the albums uh, at Electrophonic. And uh, there's a picture of me on the back of the new album. See, that's the new album that I did. And that's me in the studio. And they've got like all the great analog equipment. That's an old Ampex machine that they have there. And uh, this is the back of the other picture. That's Adam Hill, the engineer there. And they've got an eight track, uh, one inch machine. And that's what I record on. Wow. So I use Pro Tools, but it's all like live takes. I never, there's no editing. There's no fixing of like auto-tune for vocals. It's take one, take two, take three. You know, it's the best of the takes. And then we bounce it onto the, uh, onto the analog machine when we're mixing just to give it a bump and it kind of pulls it all the sound uh, together. And it's just a beautiful, it homogenizes like the low frequencies, the cymbals um, sound smoother. You know what I mean? And uh, digital recording is sample rates, you know. So it's basically like a digital clock, you know, with seconds, tenths of seconds, a hundredths of a second. All that means is for your audio, not to get too technical, it's only an approximation of what a symbol crash is like. Now, digital's got good, but analog is analogous. You know, it's real. So it's like... It's infinite sample rate. So that's kind of from my studio experience. That's why I like analog. You know, it kind of smooths everything out. And speaking of your studio experience, you have been in some of the most legendary studios around the world. Yes. And some of the most amazing artists in the world. Let's talk about some of your, you know, back down memory lane. Oh, okay. Studio guy. Yeah. Well, you know, in England, I worked for 3M, and really at that time, there was only two big tape manufacturers, 3M and Ampex. And this is in the 80s and the 90s, and I got a call from Pink Floyd. Um, they were recording the Division Bell, and I got a call from Dave Gilmore, uh, his um, technical manager, to come down with a sample of the two-inch tape. And so I was down there on Dave Gilmore's boat. You know, I met the band and uh, they uh, sampled the tape. They, they loved analog, you know. And then I was backstage at Earl's Court in London, which is one of the big venues, because uh, they wanted me to supply all the analog tape um, for a European tour that they were doing. This wow. is the Division Bell Tour of 93, 94. So I was backstage in the truck because it was 14-inch reels, you know, which was... 5,000 foot of tape on a reel. And that tape only lasted, um, it depends what speed you run it at, but you can either get 30 minutes or an hour out of a reel, which their songs were so long. We 
we're putting time code on the reels to find out the longest usable amount of time on the tape because when those guys go into you know shine on you crazy diamond i mean that song lasts 10 minutes so you're making a live album and so the worst thing you want to do is run out of tape in the middle of a live show so that was basically old school uh way of doing it so that was a big thing pink floyd and um yeah and then i was in and out of abbey road uh a lot you know and uh Again, one time it was very interesting. I was, uh, this is when the Spice Girls had just happened. They were recording and I ran to Baby Spice there. And then I went into Studio One. Oasis was recording there. So they had all the amps there. And then there was Dave Gilmore. I ran into him in a copy room. He was copying two-inch tape. So it was just, you never knew who you were going to... Uh, run into you know so that that was it and i met radiohead and, and uh yeah lo lots lots of people like you've got the call you know to to do stuff you know um your your audio is you're muted thank you one of the things that thank you one of the things that um i think about when we're working in the industry and you're just doing your job that sometimes you're not even realizing that you're in the midst of history. Like yeah. The moment that you're actually, you know, making history or part of history. So um, that's one reason why it was really amazing when I found out about your history that you've done, that it's like that you opted to come to Memphis and just inundate yourself in this culture. Um, but I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. One of the things that um, I want to talk about, too, is the fact you said earlier about how you were very, very busy in the city then COVID. So what has been some of the challenges that you personally face and some of your fellow musicians have yeah. been dealing with here in Memphis? Well, basically all the gigs dried up. And yes, there are some gigs available. Um, but, you know, obviously we don't want to get COVID either. We want to operate safely. So it's been terrible, really. So all I've done, I wanted to keep busy and I wanted to have structure. So immediately I started doing Facebook live streams just to keep it all going. And so basically I do two live streams a week, Wednesday at 6 p.m., Saturday at 10 a.m. Because I, the, the reason I do the Saturday morning, I get a lot of my uh, UK friends. They catch me, you see, live, you see, then. So that's a cool thing. And just before COVID hit, I just completed two albums, these two albums, you see. And uh, so I've put them out. And earlier in the year, I put out Rain In My Soul. And yeah. um, so I, I did that one and it got reviewed in the Memphis Flyer, Alex Green liked it, uh, which was really great. And, uh, and so, yeah, and then I've got a new one. So basically I've just tried to keep busy. Um, and you know, uh, luckily, uh, through Tonya Dyson, uh, through uh, the Memphis Slim House, she yes. um, she works with the Downtown Memphis Commission. And I actually did a gig at the Moxie Hotel uh, downtown a few months ago. So it was just nice playing in front of people uh, again. But yeah, for and I'm very appreciative to Tonya for arranging that. That was fantastic to invite me to do that. Um, 
But yeah, it's been a real challenge and I'm just really uh, trying to keep busy. I do social media for a couple of venues and a couple of friends on the side, you know, a couple of businesses. Um, but yeah, just kind of waiting for the get, let's get the vaccine, let's get the bars and restaurants uh, business good again. And then, you know, we can get out there again, you know, and do it. So it's been a challenge, but I've tried to keep busy. You know? And I'm grateful that you have definitely been able to represent Memphis, you know, as your new home, as home home, and to um, be a, a shining light in our city when it comes to being an ambassador of the music. Another thing that you've done that how we met was being a part of the Memphis Music Bank, yeah. um, being able to have your music placed in television, uh, yeah. film, web series, commercials. So if someone wants your sound, they definitely need to go to the memphismusicbank.com. That's bank with a Q. Um, but yes. before you go, you know, you have your guitar. And you know, I have to have you play something, even if it's just an instrumental. Give me a little something, something, Richard, before we wrap up. Okay, well, I'll play um, one of the, the first track of the, of the new records. And uh, just a quick plug. Um, you can actually, if you go to my website, Galaxy Tracks, you can see where to get it. Uh, from and the uh, the opening track is uh, called Start Again and it goes like this.
Again, that's the new song on that new album, yeah. I Am I. And you all can go to his website that is scrolling across the bottom. Also, be sure to check him out on Facebook. He is doing live streams on Wednesdays, as he said, at 6 p.m. and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. And if you're across the pond, you definitely want to check him out. We'll and be right I've got, back. And I've got oh. Well, I've got a whole merch thing going as well. So be sure to check it out. If you go to Galaxy Tracks, everything's on the website. So, yeah, you can check it all out. I love it. I love it. We'll be right back after this. Yes. He is my friend, Memphis Music Bank. That's how I met him. But of course, he's an amazing musician, Richard Wilson. Be sure to check him out at galaxymusic.com. Also, Galaxy follow him on Gal Galaxy Tracks. Gal Galaxy. I do that to you all the time. Yeah, get Galaxy. Sorry. That's all right. Galaxy Tracks. <laughs> dot com. Galaxytracks.com. Everything. Okay, check it out. Scrolling across the bottom right now along his Facebook and Instagram and yeah. get his new album. Yes. Who I am. Thank you so much. Thank you so now, much. Now, Richard, I appreciate you're very it. welcome. Now, before we wrap up, I want you to just kind of just chat from your heart on what you've learned about yourself in 2020 and what you're looking forward to in 2021. Okay. Um, I I think like everybody, we've kind of probably got more in touch with ourselves because everything's slowed down. And so basically, slowing down has been great. I've, I've looked back more about my life, which I didn't look back before. And I realized, yeah, there's some pretty cool things going on there. And moving forward, I think I'll probably not chase down every gig that's available, but maybe make it more that kind of makes sense uh, for, for me, you know, maybe the, uh, you know, the audience uh, may like my music more, you know, instead of trying to, you know, kind of shoehorn, you know, my music into a place that may not quite work. So I think just slowing down, being more selective and, hey, enjoying the ride. So it's been a, a, a real lesson of being reflective and really just think what's important in life. And I think make every day can and enjoy every day and enjoy the journey we're on a journey you know and so i just want to enjoy the journey so it's that's been the good thing about this downtime thank you thank you yeah. now this is my birthday month maybe we can do a quick birthday song before you go yes we can yes we can okay. there you go we'll do one um, yeah, okay. your I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do the title cut off the album. This one's called uh, "Who Who Who I Am," and uh, it, it goes like this. Thank you.
inside this solid city. My dreams will try to be found. Ooh, you look so pretty with the smile that lights up the room. Stay true for all those deal makers. All who swans inside of Wrap up the recording of the show with Richard Wilson right now. He's singing a song. His album. Okay, I'm doing good. Wrapping it up. I'm listening to Richard Wilson as he's wrapping up the show. How you doing today? Doing pretty good. galaxytracks.com follow him on facebook and instagram he does live performances on friday 6 p.m and saturday morning 10 a.m thank you richard thank you wednesday at six saturday at 10. awesome thank you all so much for hanging out with us and we'll see you next time thank you